Um, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thanks, Helen. We could do chapter one, but it's easier to wing a change in Bible passage than in sermon. I'll just put that out there. So we're going to be uh, spending the next three Sundays, or there's a break in there somewhere, I think, but the uh, the next three Sundays looking at the topic of generosity. And of course, coming alongside the book and the studies that the small groups have been doing, which is the Generosity Project. Uh, After that, just so you know, we'll be having a few more weeks in the Minor Prophets uh, over the school holidays. And then in Term 3, we're going to spend most of the term looking at creation, particularly spending some time in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, giving that a lot of thought. So stay tuned for that and, and what that might entail for us as a church. But the questions that we're asking in this short series are three. Why should I give? What should I give and where should I give? And as always, the first of these I think is the most important or the most, at least the the deepest question. Why? Why should I give? And what if I told you that the answer was quite simply because the Bible says so? Would you be satisfied with that? Is it enough motivation to give if I just say, well, the Bible tells you to? Don't argue. It's a little bit like little Johnny asking his mum why he's got to share with his sister. Why mum? And of course you know the reply, don't you? Because I said so. And for a time that's enough of a reason. Mum's authority is total. There's no questioning it. But eventually as, as time goes by, little Johnny needs more of an explanation than that. And it often comes out in those two extra words, but why? But why? I don't know if you older kids ever asked that of mum and dad, probably all the time. But why do I have to do that? And as Christian, we, Christians, we also acknowledge the total authority of God and his word. And it's not our place to question it. But we as thinkers and reasoners made in God's image also want to know why the Bible says that. Why is it telling us to give? Why does God say that? And so again, we come to this wonderful passage in Philippians chapter 2. Of course, we've been here before. Uh, In fact, I think somewhat recently. 
And I will admit that this is not a passage directly about generosity and giving. This is a passage about humility and about unity and about service and the example of Jesus. But this is exactly where generosity is found in this context. Philippians 2 really unpacks that verse we read earlier in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, which is about giving, where it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And Philippians 2 shows exactly how Jesus became poor. And verse 5 here in this chapter also holds one of the key principles to our faith and lives as Christians. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And so the first thing that I want to highlight this morning is that word in there, mindset. Or in the older NIV, attitude. Because like humility, generosity is an attitude, not just an action. Giving is the action, but generosity is a mindset, it's an attitude. And that is much more our focus in this series. I don't know about you, but I really, really dislike uh, the charity salespersons out there, if I can call them that. You know, those who come door to door, they especially love to bail you up in the shopping centre Uh, Not only are they your best friend, apparently, hey man, how's it going, casual, cool, you know, what's happening today, what are you up to? Clearly I'm shopping, leave me alone. Uh, But also they, they love to talk about the motivation of feeling good. They appeal to your sense of feeling good about giving. You know, if you give to this cause, you're going to feel so good about yourself. You're going to go home and you're just going to be like so happy and content with yourself. Just do it. it. It's so good. And it's really off, isn't it? Because while it fulfills the action of giving, it has nothing to do with generosity, really. In fact, it often ends up being selfishly motivated. It's all about me. And that's not generosity. No matter how much you give, that's not generosity. Generosity is an attitude. It is a mindset. That word is is all about understanding. It's about having a certain view of things. Ultimately, it is about having a heavenly mindset over an earthly one. We could say it's about setting our minds on a way of life or adopting an attitude. And of course, in this case, the mindset and the attitude of Jesus Christ. It's not about the action of dropping money in an offering bag. It's not about the action of you know, tapping the button on a transaction. It's not about the action of serving in a program or, or of cooking someone a meal. Or those, those things are all good things. It's about your heart and your mind, your attitude, and one like that of Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He goes on to talk about even to death on a cross. 
What does this mean? It means Jesus had everything. Everything. As, as 2 Corinthians 8 9 says, he was rich beyond compare. Quality with God even. But he did not consider that as something to be used to his own advantage. Or in other translations, something to be grasped or even uh, exploited for himself. He didn't see it as something to take and to keep, to claim and to cling to. Rather, he made himself nothing. More literally, it says he emptied himself. Emptied himself completely. He made himself poor. He, he bankrupted his very being. By nature, he's God. But he becomes a slave to humanity and death. Have you ever wondered what you would do if you just someone gave you a million bucks? Dropped it right in your lap. There you go. Million dollars. Although I think uh, most of us have wondered that, but for the sake of how long ago you thought of that, let's account for inflation. Let's call it 10 million. That's better, isn't it? 10 million dollars. Bam, there it is. What would you do with that? Perhaps you'd pay off your home loan. That might be the first thing that comes to mind. And if you don't own a home, maybe you'd quickly buy one. Maybe you'd buy a, a car. Nothing too fancy, nothing obnoxious, just something nice, especially on the inside. Perhaps you'd go for a nice holiday in, you know, 2028 when the international borders open again. Maybe you'd invest a chunk for your comfortable retirement. Seems wise. Perhaps some nice gifts for loved ones. And of course, 10% for the church. Let's not forget that. But the more I've thought of this question, just here and there, the more I've struggled with it. And what I would do, what would I do with all that money? And the question I can't help wondering is, how could I keep any of it? Like really, how, how could I keep any of it? After all, I didn't have it before. I, I, I'm probably getting by without it. And we're called to be generous people in this world. So why keep any of it? And dare I say comes the harder question wasn't it the same with everything else I have? Which is a gift from God. Why should I keep anything? Perhaps that question dries the drool over $10 million on your face and challenges us a little bit. But we'll come back to that. This is what Jesus does. He has everything at his fingertips. Everything, but he doesn't claim it. He gives it up. He chooses nothing instead of everything. He gives everything and withholds nothing. And it will be good if we don't forget that next week when we come to the how much question. How much? We are called to have the same mindset and the same attitude as Jesus, giving and emptying ourselves instead of claiming and clinging and grasping. And of course, this highlights the, the negative side of the argument. That if you're not generous, you are greedy. And greed leads to destruction. Paul says this to Timothy, 
Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It's graphic language, isn't it? They've pierced themselves like a guy who dies on his own sword. There's no two ways about it in the New Testament. You cannot be, uh, you, you are either generous or greedy. You cannot be both. And greed uh, is often highlighted these days as one of the most acceptable sins in the Western church. We completely gloss over it. It's rarely spoken of. It's rarely attended to. It's rarely challenged because it makes us uncomfortable. And yet the Bible says it's ruin. It's destruction. It'll kill you. I want to confess that I'm greedy without a doubt. My default is to cling and to claim and to take advantage I'd much prefer to hold on to my money and onto my time and onto my relational energy than to give it away. Much prefer. What about you? And see, our passage actually highlights what's behind this back in verse 3, where Paul says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. That is what's behind our greed, selfish ambition or idolatry. is when we chase after things for ourselves, chasing perhaps after security. Isn't that a big one? You know, building up that rainy day fund or a nest egg for the future. That's our ambition. Chasing after legacy maybe so that people perhaps will look up to us or we can leave behind an inheritance. That's our ambition. Or chasing after comfort. Not having to depend on anyone. And I think here's the kicker. Not having to do anything you don't want to do. Isn't that our ambition? And it's not just about money. It's about time and effort as well. And if I think of those three things together, money and time and effort, uh, the two ambitions that stand out are holidays and retirement. You know, these bring all three of those together. We have money put away so that we can take time away from responsibility in order to basically do as little as possible and just relax. Now, they're not bad things. But they're worth challenging ourselves over. I've often heard from some of you who are retired, you know, I've served for all these years and done this and that and it's time for other people to step up. And it's true, that that last part. But is that really the attitude of Jesus? Let other people do it now. And how often have any of us taken holidays in order to serve on a mission or, or the church or something like that? And I ask myself this same question. I rarely do that. We used to do it, I think, when there was short-term mission trips. We'd, you know, that would be part of annual leave and off we'd go. But these days, how often do we go, my holidays I'm going to give to someone or something? Gospel work or helping others. And have you ever heard of someone choosing to work four days a week, deliberately, in order to give a day 
to the kingdom, to the church, to something else. I had a friend who challenged me on that once, and he wasn't a full-time work, church worker, by the way. He was just a regular guy. Maybe if we think that it's too much to ask. I mean, have you seen the demands out there in the world? But is it really? And it's great to hear this uh, past week and beyond that you know, the church has stepped up in giving. Uh, finance is looking really healthy at the moment compared to the struggles we were having. It's great to hear this past week that people have rallied to cook some meals for a family in the community. And it is fantastic. And, and this church is feeling that call and, and it's wonderful. But we've still got to ask that question, is it hurting us? Is there a sacrifice? Is it, is it costly? I'm not saying that holidays and retirement are bad. And neither are savings or inheritances. But when they are clenched tightly in our fists, there is a problem. When we're not willing to sacrifice, even deal with some of that pain, then there's a problem. There's, there's greed at work. If we choose to claim and to cling to instead of surrendering, there is a problem. As Jesus says, for whoever wants to save their life, to keep their life, they will lose it. But whoever loses, gives up their life for me and for the gospel, they will save it, they will keep it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? This is the logic of, of the New Testament. Taking leads to loss. Giving leads to gain. Greed leads to ruin. Generosity leads to salvation. It is completely counterintuitive. It is completely countercultural. But it is the absolute truth of the Scriptures. This passage gives us one final reason to be generous and humble and servant-hearted. And that is, of course, the lordship of Jesus. Read it there in verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, who gives up everything he has, also inherits the whole universe. Everything is his. Every person, every dollar in the world, every minute, every kilojoule, you might say, that you have, all of it is his. And so his attitude and his mindset is all about humility and sacrifice and surrender. And that's what generosity is all about. But his status and his role and his position is king of the universe. And I just want to highlight two implications of this to finish on, to take away this morning. And the first is that everything that we have is his anyway. Our money, our time, our energy, our relationships, all of it is his. We are not owners of anything that we have. We are stewards. We are caretakers. We're called to use his stuff for his purpose. 
And that's not just our resources or the kind of the stuff outside of us. It's our very selves. Like, for example, our bodies. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, you are not your own. You yourself, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. And that's in the context of uh, sexual purity and and sexual immorality, but the, the principle stands. Your body doesn't belong to you. Your ability to walk, your ability to drive, to work, to to carry and pick up things, to calculate stuff in your minds, your ability to make decisions, to reason, your ability to cook, your ability to earn, your ability to buy stuff and, and, and to speak and to write, your ability to pray, your ability for anything is, is his. It all belongs to Jesus for us to use for his glory and for the good of others. It's like the parable of the talents. Stuff given on loan to be invested for his work. That doesn't eliminate that we can enjoy these gifts. It doesn't eliminate the fact that we can you know, rejoice in, in, in what we have because they're not supposed to be separate. You know, glorifying God and doing things for the good of others, that's not separate. It's all part and parcel that we can enjoy what God is going to do through those things. But it does mean we are not using them for selfish ambition and selfish gain. And that, joy, that joy brings me to the second implication that we are free to be generous. It's set free thanks to the death and resurrection of Jesus and his lordship in our lives. We're not slaves to ambition and greed. We don't have to follow this path that the world does of you know, gaining and getting and, and having more. We're not slaves to that. We are released. We are redeemed. We are bought at a price so that we can be generous and serve others. I said before that the next two sermons would be on what should I give and where should I give. But as you can see on the screen, that's wrong, isn't it? The answer, the questions really are what can I give and where can I give? They're gospel questions. It's not that we have to, it's that we get to. We have that as a privilege. This is the gospel we've just read about. Jesus makes himself nothing, poor, so that we can have everything, be rich, and so that we can be like him. Who gives up, who shares, who sacrifices, so that everything that we have can be for others as well. Bottom line is you can perform the action of giving as a should. The Bible says you should give. You can obey. I must. I better. It's the legalistic way. But you can only adopt the attitude of generosity when it's a can. I can be generous instead of greedy because Christ has set me free. Let's pray.
Father God, we just want to thank you this morning for what Jesus has done. Lord, the example that he set us in giving up all that he had and making himself nothing for our sakes. But more than that, Lord, that what he gave is what has achieved our life and salvation, our freedom. And we thank you that in him we can be counted as rich, no matter what we have in this world. And so, Lord, we just want to pray that with that in mind, that redemption in Christ, that we will be set free to be generous, giving, sharing people. That instead of holding and and clinging to things of this world, we'll be happy and joyful to give them up knowing that that could provide salvation for others, knowing that you can use it in your power to show the the wonder of Jesus to others. Lord, we pray that we will acknowledge and recognise the Lordship of Christ over us as individuals and as a church. And nothing that we have is really ours. It belongs to him. Help us to use it for his purposes, for his glory and for the good of others. And Lord, give us joy in giving, joy in generosity. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.